0: sake
1: got it y'all recording this
2: (laughs) yeah i figured i'd record the uh the opening banter as well uh because that's always fun you know it's kind (laughs) of like uh it's always like even though zoom tells you recording in progress i love when podcasts do it and it's just like oh this is like the behind the scenes like oh oh, well we better we better start the podcast now (laughs) so that's always fun people love that
1: Did you 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 thought that voice was a woman's voice?
2: No,
0: my (laughs) woman's
1: voice is like. It is a robot woman that says "Recording in progress." Though, I wonder if they had like a long fucking meeting about that. Like, right? Like, uh, who should say "Recording in progress"? Uh, Ding (laughs) Rains. Ding Rains would have been tight. Dude, people need to use dead people's voices for shit like this now
2: wait ving rames is dead you know
1: like uh, uh didn't ving Rhames die no michael clark duncan died
3: yeah you're thinking of the other black guy
1: <laughs> no dude no i'm not i really <laughs> thought ving rames died the other day i watched Pulp fiction and somebody was like oh then it sucked like ving rames died i was like i hadn't heard it but cool uh but yeah, i knew that yeah, are you well, sure rames, double check it
2: yeah ving rames still alive he's 63
1: well yeah. i guess i have not to treat marcellus Wallace like a bitch but i thought that motherfucker was deceased but all right cool my bad maybe i'm maybe i'm racist and i mixed him up with the dude who breathes butterflies from the green I'm <laughs> let
3: me touch
2: your balls balls
1: i'm gonna touch your balls but dude he is the most magicalist of uh stephen uh king's magical negroes it's you know that's the term i'm not being <laughs> racist that's what they're called, <laughs> and that is uh, that's as magical as they get for Mr. King.
2: Yeah, I think got a, he's got. I think uh, yeah, Ving Rhames is probably, or no, Michael Clark but Duncan.
1: That's Michael Clark Duncan. Right. But I just mean the character himself. Coffee, you know, like the drink, just spelled different. That guy oh. had some magic. He had magic. He did. man. That was he magic. Had, he
2: had magic. He could he could change people. You know, even that evil the, guy.
1: For the better and then sometimes for the worse for the one guy who yeah who kind of looks like brad that with fetal alcohol Dude, syndrome
2: one of the most painful <laughs> things in movie history was tom hanks not being able to piss in the great mile i still I remember, remember that it's I so did, hard to yeah. watch
1: yeah yeah anytime a, a father figure has a problem with his junk and it's heart it's heart-wrenching you know yeah. Yeah, like,
2: yeah that's where i came from
1: yeah well not only that but
2: like it's like going by a store that's closed that you used to visit book. well i didn't <laughs> visit my dad's <laughs> it's
0: like going
1: by his- <laughs> dude what's the last what's the last store that closed and broke your heart it's probably been decades for me since like a store shut down and i was like oh that store. So- maybe yeah, a restaurant
2: they closed down the half-price books by my house that oh out.
1: bullshit that would have pissed me Ooh. off yeah
2: yeah because that was gonna be me and gus's like hangout spot dude and when we went there a few weeks ago we noticed everything was on sale and i was like okay
1: what, what even more than half off yeah, it was like it was like half of half off crazy. Oh, okay
2: but uh <laughs> yeah i bought books. some gene wolf that,
1: that's 100 percent, dude half of that it's, 100%. <laughs> it's free you. dude it's
2: free the math hour with Kelby Losag.
1: <laughs> what, <laughs> half plus half is 100. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I suck at math, though, so i write that right. down.
2: I do, too. I do, too. Um, hi, everybody, and welcome to Agitator. My name is J. David Osborne. That is Kelby Losag. Today, we have very special guest, Brian Allen Carr, back on the show to talk about 2011's Kotoko, directed by Shinya Sukamoto, but we can get into all that whenever. Uh, it's a fucked up movie, but uh, Brian, how are you doing, man? How have you been?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Uh, just hanging out in Indiana.
3: <laughs> What's the cost of living up there?
1: It <laughs> depends where it depends where you're at. I mean, Indianapolis itself is probably comparable to. Maybe not Austin, maybe San Antonio. Um, But, you know, as high as anywhere you'll get, not as much as Chicago, but then outside of Indianapolis, you can get in some very inexpensive places. Like you can get a decent house in Indiana for 80K. Um, that's, That's probably only an hour away from downtown Indianapolis. I bet you could get an 80K home Small, it'd be small, like a two bed, one bath, within an hour of Indy. If you 150 gets you a good house in in the area, where I'm at. Um, But then, yeah, no, like there's definitely homes that are in the into the millions, of course, just like anywhere else. The north side of Indianapolis seems to be the higher end side of Indianapolis because it's weird. Like that is in between Indy and Chicago. And Chicago is the most bougie city in the Midwest. Like it's like Mecca of the Midwest, right? I think Frank Lloyd Wright said that uh, at some point in time, Chicago will be the best city in the world. I don't think that happened, but it's a cool (laughs) town. But so, but I feel like if you have to live in Indiana, but you like to party in Chicago, you're going to live on the north side um and so in between you know that that corridor might be a little pricier the different areas are different i guess but it's 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 cheaper than texas except for
3: gas gas is a little more here no okay yeah i was gonna say house prices around here would be like double that lately
1: Oh yeah, and it's gone up here for sure too. But you can still find homes, you know, in the Hondas uh, or whatever. And then, like I said, I mean, there's it's it's Midwest, so you know, I, I base everything off like Texas. Everything's super far away. You can get you can live an hour and a half from a cool town here and still be kind of in a Podunksville. It's harder to do in Texas, I guess. Like in Texas, that'd be like living in Bay City. If you wanted to like, mm-hmm. hang out in Houston, maybe. Yeah. No, nah, that might be further. I don't know, but like, you know, but uh, it wouldn't be as one stigmatized and two as hard to get downtown. Like if you live to Bay City and like to go to
3: downtown Houston probably take you two hours. Yeah. Three hours. No, it's more yeah. like where I where I live. Like I'm about an hour from downtown Houston. Yeah, that like ain't I mean, yeah. Urban, rural, and coastal here. Oh, hundred
1: percent. Yeah, the, the Texas Coast City thing is weird because it's like surfer cowboy punks. It's I don't know, man. It's, it's a trip. I like that whole area uh, from Houston down to, to Browntown.
3: <laughs> it's a vibe. It's a vibe. <laughs> it
1: is. It is. And we all – I mean, like, the dudes all kind of have similar sounds all the way down. Like, the accent on the coast in Texas is a different – different thing and i think it kind of is just a represent a, a reflection of the kind of sunny place for shady people vibe that you get on the texas coast you can do math on the beach there you know it's like fucking cool
3: <laughs> yeah on, honestly bro honestly bro sometimes 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 i'd be doing that, be doing that shit <laughs> you I,
1: math on the beach i've never snorted math on <laughs> the beach sometimes
2: sometimes
1: i i did math twice and both times it was because i we we tried to buy cocaine but they didn't have it i think uh and i don't recommend that drug at all that's a terrible drug i don't even know why i did it the second time the first time i hated it too like i was like this is the worst it lasted way too long
3: oh yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah they call it tweaking for a reason
1: dude it lasted so long i remember like seven hours into it i was just like i want to stop feeling this way man it was terrible it was bad. I dated a girl who had a meth problem named Shylea. <laughs> she, she had had a kid that she'd put up for adoption, um, mm-hmm. though though abortion was still legal at that point. <laughs> it wasn't with me. It was before I knew her. But so her name was Shylea. She was probably like 19 or 20. She had had a kid when she was like 17, and she was like kind of on meth. I think that's who we got the meth from, actually. Was from Southern. I, I
2: bet you she looks great now.
1: Um, no, I I doubt it. Maybe, maybe she got well. I mean, she was, you know, like when I met her, she definitely was like you could tell that. Hey, you did meth for a little bit there, but then maybe she stayed clean. I don't know. Meth fucks people up, dude. It it <laughs> it uh makes you look like a vampire for sure
2: yeah i don't know why anybody does it for that exact reason there's just there are no examples that i can think of people who've used math long term that don't look like the creep keeper so it's like yeah why you even do that i'm too i'm too vain for that it's not like, like
1: heroin Her- heroin makes yeah, you, look, look you look better yeah, exactly. dude heroin makes you look great exactly yeah hey dude i've seen magazines uh, from the 80s uh and and 90s kate moss looks great kate moss yeah dude i mean that's good looking johnny depp back in the day i think rivers phoenix maybe even didn't he you know Mm
0: -hmm. good looking men
1: kurt cobain in a kind of way was decent looking yeah he was hot in a weird way he wouldn't be now think about how fucking weird kurt cobain would look now he'd be kind of fat and bald (laughs) Mm -hmm. he'd be be
2: kurt cobain would be tweeting about how we need to send aid to ukraine
1: Oh god! Oh, yeah. dude, he'd have man titties <laughs> and still wear that green cardigan, dude. <laughs> <Yeah. coughs> he'd be uh, like
2: Steve Albini. Steve Albini made a weird lippedard turn. That's that's what kind of I'm basing that joke about. Yeah, Steve Albini's like literally had a band called Rape Man, which is awesome. We
1: talked. I think we've talked about this before. We're like, he's now throwing everybody under the bus for being risque yeah. back in the day, right? And it
2: was, yeah, like, dude, I bet Kobe would have done that. Oh, Kobe, Kobe would have done would've.
3: that for sure. For sure. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: well, what's up, dude?
1: Is that the baby from the movie?
3: Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, dude. Sorry. This is the baby
3: from the movie. Oh, <laughs> so, guest appearance. Say, say hi before you get your face blown <laughs> Oh, <dude. laughs> That was one of the
2: rougher moments in, in film that I've ever seen. The chokeout scene, uh, the the head exploding into the see. Choke out. i
1: I thought the chokeout part was worse than the head exploding. Yeah. I kind of forgot about the head exploding. The noise, but you didn't you, you didn't even get it on camera. It was just her face, and then the fucking the noise, and you could just imagine like the little
3: onesie feet in the blanket, yeah, you it's know.
2: Yeah, it, that's it, that's that's
3: what I wanted to oh go ahead, Kelby. Sorry. That that was since we're already talking about it, that scene was like I was watching it on my phone with mm-hmm. with Rowan laying on my chest asleep. Mm-hmm. And like
1: And you're like Rowan, you need to go to bed because daddy's gotta rub one out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, sorry. When, she, when she's got the arms ext- So it's like POV, right? Because it's like <laughs> on my phone <laughs> above my face. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> oh that's good so anyway good. did you cry when it happened
3: it made my uh, chest hurt like I felt man. like I was gonna throw up in my chest yeah like
2: yeah yeah this was uh this was definitely for listeners Kotoko as uh, 2011 it comes off of the heels of Shinya Tsukamoto's probably second biggest piece of shit, which is Tetsuo Three. His biggest piece of shit, as far as I've seen, is still Nightmare Detective. But uh, this, he came back swinging. Uh, He hooked up with a pop singer named Coco, who looks like she weighs about 65 pounds in this movie. She's really got like a Christian Bale and the machinist kind of anorexic look to her that I think is pretty effective. It's her story that she wanted to tell I don't know, I guess she had this story bopping around in her brain. And it's about a schizophrenic woman trying to raise a son and it follows her from when the kid's born, uh, you know, she kind of, she sees double. So she'll see a person being friendly and trying to talk to the baby and she'll see a, a doppelganger of that person who's got, you know, cruel intentions for, like to hurt her or the kid or whatever. Uh, and it's the movie basically follows her continuously losing the kid to CPS and the kid having to go live with her family and then she'll get him back and then more bad shit will happen and it's basically uh, a good way to describe it would be it's every uh, parent's irrational fears about having a kid
1: put into an hour and a half movie. Yeah, I'd say that's well, and uh, any of uh, the the things that you could do to your kid, right? Like, yeah. Well, and I guess other people do stuff to the kid too.
2: Yeah. Well, like drop the first thing is dropping him. She keeps thinking about. If, yes. You
1: know, she goes to the top of the off building. off the top and... of the building. Yeah. By Michael Jackson. With, yeah. Remember, y'all remember when Michael Jackson tangled yeah. that baby blanket with blankets. Oh yeah. With you Blanket. <laughs> same same energy though the, with that lady up the south top. park the south park episode
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can fly <laughs> good oh
2: um, it's a good it's a good thing he only fucked it instead of throwing it off that
1: building <laughs> <laughs> we don't know that For that's speculation that is speculation yeah i think it's I not know. speculated that he did anything with his own children only with M- macaulay culkin and <laughs> now macaulay like, culkin says that, that it was legit but a friendship but i don't know
2: didn't he just like to whistle in their buttholes it was something weird like that like he he didn't actually i'm mean, he just like he just like looked at their buttholes and like blew
1: into
0: Ooh. them or like that.
1: maybe that's not that's not what i'm into <laughs> but i guess you know if you get super rich you know, you can, uh, reg- you kinda... regular stuff gets boring quick, right?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to buy a giraffe and mm-hmm. uh, play Tickle Me Elmo.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, life is long, you know? <laughs> you got to <laughs> occupy yourself.
2: <laughs> I was showing Gus a Tickle Me Elmo today, and he looked at that shit like, get that th- the fuck away from me. He's like, Elmo was like, hey, 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 tickle me, tickle me. And Gus mm-hmm. Luke, was just staring at it with his like mouth open, a little bit of drool coming out. He was mm-hmm. fascinated and horrified.
1: Mm-hmm. He can spot vaccine propaganda when he sees it, bro. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Takes after his old man. That
1: dog's yeah. gonna try to get me to try to get me to take a vaccine I don't want to take.
2: <laughs> that's right, an experimental, an experimental bio weapon. That's what that's all about
1: um oh it's good times
2: times, yeah but yeah so it starts off with dropping the kid off the off the building Um, Mm -hmm. and then she quote unquote does it but the movie's full of all these fake outs all the horrible things that happen to the kid don't you know the next scene it'll be like oh that was all in my head but there are some really intense scenes that don't involve uh, actual violence either like when she's Trying to make food and the kid won't oh, yeah. put him down. I fucking related to that so hard when you're just carrying a yeah, baby and yeah. it's just you and the baby and you you just want to do one thing that requires two hands. You know what I mean? Like you gotta lift something or or cook, right? Or like make food mm-hmm. and the kid is screaming his head off and won't let you put him down. That was giving me anxiety watching that.
3: When yeah, you texted it- me that you had cried in in the first half of this i imagined it was that part
2: it well there's no actually what made me cry was when the kid was went to the sister's house and they were playing that's what really because it made me think like you know there's real people who,
0: who just Thank can't take, they can't
2: take care of their kids you know for problems that aren't really aren't their fault right like schizophrenia is not uh, unless you're doing math or whatever like schizophrenia is not really uh, anybody's fault. It just kind of happens. Yeah,
1: it's out of your control. Yeah, yeah. So
2: it just made me feel bad. Like all that, the whole movie pretty much made me feel bad. But that in particular, I was, but it definitely felt uh, cathartic, which I'll talk about. Well, I'll just talk about it now. Who cares? Um, as somebody with, with a lot of anxiety around raising a kid, I felt like this movie actually helped because when it was over and you've seen a kid get thrown off a building and hit by a car and shot in the head choked out it's kind of like oh it's almost like you experienced all the all
1: your fears happening so you're like oh okay
2: i feel better
3: now
1: i've always found too that like when i see kids get hurt in movies or whatever it makes me more appreciative of my own kids so like it Mm -hmm. feels funky but then you go find out that your kids are safe Right, and then you're like, "Oh God, fine. Right, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Which is like, you know, they I've heard that said about horror movies in general that they're cathartic in that way for some people. I've never, I've never felt that personally about until pretty much this movie. I feel like this movie
1: Mm. made me understand horror movies a little bit better. Huh? Interesting. Would you call this a horror film? I would. Yeah, definitely.
2: I mean, it's got it's got the gore effects. It's got the intensity it is uh i didn't really think the double people were scared there's nothing like scary about it nobody's got a scary mask there's no ghost nah, or yeah that
1: was that was more of like yeah i don't think they were really trying to scare you yet with that I, it felt more like they were trying to lay framework
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: maybe
2: but this certainly by the end of it i felt like it was a horror movie especially you know some of her final uh kind of hallucinations towards the end but the with the SWAT out of nowhere she just starts thinking that a paramilitary unit's going to bust into her house and, and shoot her kid yeah and then it like it happens and you know but but not really uh at that point I feel like it, it makes a horror turn and also kind of there's a subplot which is again very common in these movies of her falling uh, or falling in love with uh this guy Tanaka who's played by Tsukamoto who's a novelist who becomes infatuated with her. And at that point in a weird way, it kind of becomes a comedy. Like she keeps stabbing him in the hand and he keeps coming back. And then there's a scene that's kind of played for laughs where every time he walks out, he'll get halfway down the street and be like, Oh shit. And then like run back and she's cut her arms, uh, deeper and deeper and deeper with more and more blood. Uh, Mm And I thought that was sort of sort of bold, playing these like cutting uh, semi-suicide attempts for for humor, because you know he's doing pratfalls, he's fainting. Uh, It's it's clearly supposed to be funny. And then she she beats him up, and when you see him, he's got the Tokyo Fist Gore makeup where his head is all swollen and he just Uh. looks
1: terrible. I don't know. I thought a lot of interesting choices in this movie hmm no there are i think i think listening you talk about the movie kind of makes me like it more i don't i didn't dislike it it was good it was definitely there not a lot of moving parts right like it was an hour and a half uh i don't know i guess yeah listening to you talk about it makes me like a little bit more i wouldn't have necessarily seen humor in the novelist but now that you pointed out like that it definitely had a different more humorous vibe Mm -hmm. she was different when he was around Uh, and i guess right like when he was around it's supposed to be the time in her life when she does at least some healing and is able to get the son back but then it seems like maybe homie just didn't even exist period right i mean what was y'all's take on that
3: yeah i was gonna say he's kind of like a tyler durden figure okay yeah she she sees this dude looking at her on the bus and then has some kind of like freak out moment with him or a doppelganger in the staircase and just the vibe of that whole middle section i was like is this dude even really here
1: Mm. no that makes sense i love the lie where it was like uh i've never heard of him because i don't read books because <laughs> like, i don't read books but apparently he was well known amongst people who read i, I thought it was a pretty good fucking because you know that'd be so natural for a famous novelist to be like completely and totally an unknown human to regular people
2: yeah yeah that's kind of that's kind of where you're at writers know who you are
1: uh some
2: yeah do people I mean, stop
3: yeah. you in the street and go oh a, you're a, that a, favorite a, you're that famous novelist
1: no i'm not, i've been i mean i've definitely been spotted by people but not like you're a famous novelist Like, hey did you write that thing um but not like maybe like four or five times and not by people who i wanted to like you know be good homies with for forever or anything i don't think have you ever tell me anybody ever been like hey i know who you are has anybody on this podcast ever been recognized in a way that was cool
3: (laughs) Uh, yeah um i've been stopped by plugs at like out and about who'd be like like i'd already know them but i knew them for like other illicit reasons and they'd be like hey bro it like what's up and then they tell somebody like turn to the dude next to him and be like this nigga writes books and shit (laughs) that's awesome
2: i mean i've been recognized at like conventions and stuff but that makes more sense because that's kind of why people are there um but when's the last time i went to
1: a convention
2: oh bro it's been pre-covid yeah. Um uh, the last one I went to was probably a BizarroCon, maybe five or six years ago.
1: I don't I know. It's been a while. Yeah, I think my last one was the Bizarro Con before you, the year before you went. Um, yeah. For your funny. last one. I yeah. don't think I've gone to much. I almost I've, went to AWP, but then uh
2: I've been to one AWP and two AWPs and they both sucked. So I'm kind of I've been I've been to a
1: few. So, it's weird. It changed dramatically. I think the first one I went to was in, like, 2010, maybe in Chicago. And it was, like, it was when HTML Giant was real big, and they had a really cool HTML Giant party. I mean, it really felt kind of electric, because a lot of the people who were hanging out in those days, I mean, so that's like, when Roxane Gay was super accessible still. Amelia Gray was, was still kind of doing stuff. She's out in uh, L.A., I guess, now writing uh, – screenplay stuff but um i don't know like it was fun it was like a lot of nice young writers like in the html uh world the html giant world and then the longer i i went to a few more it got progressively more careeristic i guess where like everything felt a little bit less uh, youthful or punk rock um and then now i mean just the protocols it seems like everything at awp seems to be steered more toward a kind of professionalism you know what i mean like it's like it's like not cool to be um transgressive anymore you know and it was (laughs) like 15 years ago it was still cool to be transgressive and i don't know if that's good or bad or whatever or they have like new definitions of what transgressive is and it's like it's like socio-political as opposed to like aesthetic or 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 you know uh, content matter or whatever. Um, but I don't know. AWP's can be good, I guess. I mean, I've definitely been to some, and it, it's all depending upon who you hang out with. But as a, dude, that's a huge convention for writers, though. So, and then you mm-hmm. you go to that and you're just like, dude, there's too many writers.
2: <laughs> no, going to those big conventions made me not want to be a writer anymore. Like straight I up. It. I I would go to those and just seeing, and I don't know what it is about careerism. There are people who I know who could brush that shit off and not really care about it, but it's always kind of bugged me because, man, at a certain level, what we do is art and should be done because you, number one, enjoy it, which I think most writers do, not all, but most, but that you also are trying to, I don't know, push a few, like do something new and exciting. And that's always where I've kind of seen the amount of careerism, not really in terms of brown nosing or ass kissing, because it's like that to me is kind of like whatever, but just in terms of like people who you can tell are coldly calculating what they're going to write to get successful or famous. It all just seemed really, really stupid to me. And I was like, okay. so I just I don't know. I just never felt like I fit in. really any except for BizarroCon I always felt like I kind of fit in there but uh I always said that I was too too weird for the normies and too normie for the for the fucking weirdos so I've always been sort of outside of all that I've just gravitated towards people like you and Kelby and Chris Sacknessum and a
1: few others you know um yeah I mean seem to be in that sphere they uh... um they're very organized people. The one, you know, the folks who are like writers slash professors, yeah, they they, they definitely have a kind of. And I mean, I taught for a while a row, and wrote. I guess I probably could have climbed up the university ladder a bit better than I did. I decided I didn't like it very much, but um, but one of the main reasons I didn't like it because it, was, it all felt too clean (laughs) like it all just felt so fucking i don't know just like so organized so um it felt like sunday school man it felt like sunday school to me i was a preacher and it felt very much to me like going to church just in like how rigid protocols were and it's not even like woke anti-woke i mean it's just like professionalism versus being non-professional i didn't yeah wanna, <laughs> no, I'm
2: I, not didn't wanna, professional. I didn't want i didn't want
1: to yeah i didn't want to be like you know faculty uh, um meeting writer i wanted to be a writer you know like that's not was mm-hmm. my thing um
0: I don't i'm know, know I was really that,
2: jealous of like writers who seem to be able to be cool but still integrated into that world. Like Stephen Graham Jones is a perfect example of this, of a guy yeah. who's really, really cool, really laid back, and, but just genuinely doesn't seem to either notice or care what we're talking about. It, That's like a
1: superpower. It depends on success. So like he's always been able to have really good professor jobs. Most people in academia hate the job they have, can't ever change the job they have. If they did want to change the job, they'd have, they'd have to apply, like, 80 places. I know that, like, when Steven went to his current post, he almost went to a school in Canada, and they were, like, fighting, bidding over him, you know? That's mm-hmm. not a typical situation for most riders. Most riders have not been able to find a teaching home. He's been able to because he's a fucking badass, and he's been in the game for a minute. It used to be easier. I mm-hmm. think that, like almost all the professors I know who kind of like really like their position, like the school they're at, the pay they get, the teaching load they have, they're all fine. It's Mm -hmm. the people who are like, you know, lecturers, (laughs) wanting to be professors at a school that they don't really want to be at. Then you get this kind of different thing going on. So like, even if you're like publishing well, but you're at a school that you don't like, then typically these creative writers you you get angry because like you don't understand there's no game to it it's all just based on like who they choose for jobs and that's all kind of emotional and all this kind of stuff so typically you know i mean i would say that usually if a professor has, has been successful they have that kind of vibe like a brian evanson or a jesse ball
2: yeah um, brian evanson's another good example who's just yeah really but nice and laid mm-hmm. back and-
1: and And again he's he's been successful in both in both venues i I find that most people who are successful in both venues do have a kind of positivity that's harder to find that just comes with being happy and fulfilled in their job which sounds (laughs) it's no i know but i'm serious like like, i know know you're serious it's
2: just it's just funny because it's true it's so true but it's so like it's like, yeah, they're they're kind of nice people because they're happy and fulfilled.
1: Yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah. They're, make, they're making they're making one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year to teach four classes. You know, like yeah, they're and they, you know, like and they get decent book contracts and they're well respected people. Fuck yeah, they're cool. <laughs> like yeah. they're not yeah. waking up in the morning with a fucking sour taste in their mouth, fucking angry that nobody's noticing their art yet. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of times the difference between those two people is timing or luck or what i mean it's you know it's not a
2: yeah right
1: there's no straight equations like for instance this movie <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: like you could look at it and make the argument that like any three people with a video camera in three days worth of time could have made the film right like it's not but the but it's great and probably for a lot of different reasons, but it easily could have been made by somebody else. And if it was their first outing or something, like if Mm -hmm. there wasn't any groundwork laid for like who the director was, who the singer was like, and it could be wholeheartedly dismissed as trite or, you know, like uh, uh, amateurish, Um, but it could, but the same exact product, but just the narrative around it is so much different.
2: That's
3: interesting. Do you think, Kelby? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, Uh, y'all
1: all all, you've read a you've read a book that sucked ass that did really well, right?
3: uh, Yeah, yeah. plenty, plenty of them. Yeah,
1: Yeah. same thing. They usually just have a neat little story about either the author or the book or the book and the author together. You know, I don't know. You could pick on all kinds of books, but it's well, dude, and like so. And another thing, like about that. Have y'all noticed that like every writer I've ever known has at least at one point in time wanted to be either a different race, gender, or sexual orientation, because if only those three things, then their book would have popped off different. Right. And I I mean,
2: people like this, I
1: mean, my white writer friends, my Hispanic writer, friend, like every writer friend I've ever had given enough time, they're going to play the game of if I only could change my identity, would my book have performed better? um yeah i've, and, I've always and had
2: a lot of uh, white pride i've always had a lot of uh you know a lot of pr- pride in both in myself and in the white race you know i um
1: i don't but i do have working <laughs> class pride so like i always my thing that i always get pissed off is when fucking ivy league people who i feel like oh they weren't- this is
2: a good this is a good thing this is a good thing to talk about yeah i wanted to talk about your hobart piece uh oh yeah uh it was hobart right that you published that in or was it
1: yeah Yeah, usually if i'm gonna do anything i'm gonna (laughs) i don't like like hobart's like a place that i feel comfortable sending stuff i don't really send to anybody or anything you know like i don't i usually write stuff like unless it's a book i'll write books and that's almost it
2: yeah same here yeah yeah
3: that's all i do people be asking for all kinds of shit lately and they're even like i'll throw you a hundo and i'm like
1: god damn i wish i wrote mm. <laughs> yeah no i know i mean i don't uh the, the 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 kind of review writing and blog writing and stuff feels very self-serving sometimes so like unless i feel like uh, uh like so for instance with that uh fernando flores man his book was just badass and i was like i kind of feel bad because maybe i should have just focused on the book a little bit more than the region but um People had to take, yeah, they, like, had to but,
2: kept, they had to catch strays in that essay. A lot of people caught, caught straight, even if they weren't necessarily named. There were a lot of uh, stray bullets flying around in that
1: one. Oh, so, I mean, I, I'm always going to bitch about people who write about the border if I feel like it was. Here's the thing like, um, to the extent that like so much of it is, is careerism, and to the extent that people play that identity game. There's only so many spots, right? There's only so many spots. There's only going to be so many border riders. There's not going to be 20 of them. It probably ain't even going to be 10. If mm-hmm. it's five, it's a fucking miracle. So if it's five border riders, they should be from the fucking border. You see? Like, yeah. And so yeah. to me, in my mind, it's snatching money out of a, a, a community's hand uh Mm -hmm, to to mm -hmm. to take a story away from somebody who's actually tethered to a place. So you know that's my beef with it. Um that's that'll always be my beef with it with people writing about the border. Um
2: what if somebody like self-published something about the border and wasn't taking up a spot? Would it bother you less?
1: No, I think I ripped into somebody once time a few years ago for doing it, too. Shia Scanlon did a self-published book uh, called Border Run. And I got real pissed because he put a picture of Che Guevara on the front. I was like, motherfucker, you know Che Guevara has nothing to do with Mexico, right? What the fuck is happening right now? I was like, that's like putting Michael Jordan on the cover of a book about fucking uh, Africa. But apparently
3: that's like thinking ving rames is dead when it's michael clark Duncan.
1: (laughs) no it's it's not yeah i guess it's close but apparently (laughs) though stega was a character in the book and and i was like it doesn't matter that that seems so befuddled to me that you would like and he had never spent any time and i yeah i think i fucking visited him on facebook i'm not i don't know dude i don't i don't know why i'm fucking really uh uh, uh, territorial about uh, the board <laughs> yeah.
3: no you get territorial like you know the argument could be made all day long like on both sides about authenticity and I, I like to say that like i don't give a shit what people write about and i don't like as like i idealistically i don't mm-hmm. but when i see like certain low-level petty criminal like working class hood portrayals done by like people that just don't fucking they're not from that world like it does leave a sour taste in my mouth even though i feel like write whatever you want i don't give a shit but like it still gets uh under under my skin
1: well it, it gets different too because it's it's it ties into brand um but i mean i don't know like so my my whole thing with the border is that mostly people when they write about it write about it in a very violent way and um and and like i don't know i feel like if you're gonna write about a place that you don't know about too i don't know i don't i don't i can't imagine myself writing about a place i'm not intimately aware of and making it sound violent i don't know where i'd feel like getting off that then again though dude my violence that i've always done has been very weird and not like like i don't i'm not one of those noir writers who's like violence has a code i'm like no violence doesn't have a code it's sloppy and stupid um but i don't know so to me violence doesn't seem cool ever it just seems I don't know. All the violence I've seen in real life had drugs going along with it and fucking idiots, you know? Um, Booze is a
2: big one for me. I think that I don't know if I've ever seen people fight who weren't drunk.
1: drunk. I don't think I've ever seen
2: that. Um, I think if you were to outlaw booze, you'd see a lot of uh, altercations go away. Kelby and I were walking around the party district of Austin about a week ago, two weeks ago. A week ago, week and a half. A week ago. week ago. Yeah. And yeah, we we saw three dudes in cowboy hats with their shirts unbuttoned and they looked like they were going to fuck somebody up. And I told him I was like, there's this place exists in every city in the world. Every city yeah. in the world has like 20 year old dudes who just drink and then
1: fight each other.
2: It's it's the most not, natural thing yeah. in the world.
1: When I lived in downtown Austin, I used to go to this bar called the Aquarium all the time just because they'd always have a good fight. You know, like there'd always be at least a bouncer tossing one dude like every Friday night. I was in Austin like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Oh,
2: really?
1: I, I like Austin. I think it's a Austin's. Cool a, that's that's where I was born. Austin's a good town. Um, I was born when my dad was going to seminary there He was studying to be a preacher there. And then I lived there in my twenties. Um, yeah, it's a good town, man. It's not that was probably border. a cool time. That was probably a pretty cool time.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, actually to go back to your thing, I a hundred percent see where you're coming from. I think that my views on this have changed a little bit. Cause I used to be really territorial. I used to have, you know, I would talk a lot of shit about, you know, Frank bill, even though that is where he's from, you know, the crimes in Southern Indiana. I talk a lot of shit about his books because of the portrayal of violence and the idea that, you know, every, you know, every one of these guys is like a, a, you know, a low life, uh, you know, cockroaches in cereal boxes and dirty and nasty and all this kind of stuff. And I've kind of changed that since then. And I I kind of have gone back and reevaluated some of that stuff. And I'm like, well, it is fiction. Now, here's the thing. Um, I think that it's a it's just different when you decide to make the the border a part like you said of your of your brand that's when it gets a little weird because then you're claiming to speak for a place I think yeah you can write like as a, I think you can write as a tourist I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with yeah
1: no um, I don't think so either but like say like Don Winslow right I mean he's kind of thought of as as a I mean he's a border writer in America right he like cartel and all this kind of stuff well um so he profits off violence i mean he just does and at the same time he'll get on twitter bitching about violence and i don't know man it all just seems so really weird stupid to me um too i the thing of it is is that like the cartel that's in charge in mexico whoever is like winning a turf war, it has a drastic impact on the country, right? Like if the Gulf cartel or the Sinaloa, it has a drastic impact on the country and the citizens of that country. And so like to be talking about it, you, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I feel like the majority of the people who write about it are writing about it as a as like, uh, they're, they're writing about sizzle you know like it's like and and whatever i mean i i guess i guess those books fine they exist nor books about the border it's not like it's not like crime doesn't exist along the border i get mad though when i see a kind of the majority of the people who use the border are kind of hypocrites about yeah. something would the, be at Don winslow talking about guns and cops and all this kind of stuff um, whilst sensationalizing violence. I just I don't know how they like what are you looking at in the mirror that makes you think that you're fucking not a twerp? Like, I, I don't get it. Well, I
3: think um that's but, what it is. Yeah, you can you can feel the spirit, the essence of the thing, and it's just coming from this really weird place that's not it's like... ca-
1: yeah, capitalistic, maybe it's a capitalistic usage of a place. It doesn't seem like yeah, I don't, like if the money wasn't there, would Don be writing about the border? Or would he, would, would he have another topic? And I just feel like he'd have another topic. And to yeah. me, that's, yeah. that's, I get it, you know, you got to make money. Uh, but to sensationalize violence <laughs> to make money, uh, realistic violence to sensationalize it to make money, to me, I don't know, man. I don't, if you, you can do it right. I just, I don't like seeing violence as a code. And that's like what so many fucking noir writers in America do, whether or not they're talking about the border or fucking Appalachia or the Midwest. And I'm like, it really doesn't.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Especially when a lot of those writers live in New York. Like, well, they've not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, hmm. I've never met i've never met frank bill i've been to southern indiana plenty it's well, not frank like bill, some.
2: he he seems like a fine guy you know which is why i honestly do kind of feel bad the amount of shit i talked about him back in the day uh he he seems yeah. like just kind of a kind of a joe rogan type almost like his instagram yeah. is just him deadlifting in his garage so i don't have any i don't have any bad feelings about frank bill at all anymore
1: i, I will I will say this about Southern Indiana. When you go down there, uh, you don't feel scared of anybody there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, I Southern, that's it's how it like is.
1: Southern Indiana. It's, like, that's the thing about it. It's like, I, I don't know, dude. I don't feel like there's just a bunch of big swinging motherfuckers in Southern Indiana. No offense, guys. Uh, I yeah, look the at those dilapidated houses actually, all the time.
2: Like, I don't feel, I don't get scared around, like, poverty or dilapidated houses or whatever i genuinely get a little bit on edge though in places like where kelby and i were when you can tell it's like rich kids
0: you know, oh yeah getting better yeah, bender. yeah those are, those are
2: the only reason why those people are scary either it's not like they're gonna kill you or anything but it's kind of like the cops right it's one of those things where you know they can do whatever they want and yeah. just like get away with you so if, if they if they see if they zero in on you it's like a no-win situation, you know? Like, you, you, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh,
1: I don't know.
2: You, you just have to kill him, basically.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what would be the thing that would worry the most if I was out and about... Uh, I don't know. Oh. Uh, I broke up a I broke up a street fight in Mexico one time, and I was just really hammered. And I remember like right after I did that, I was like, "That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever done in my entire life." I could have got <laughs> knifed easy, right. um, dude. When we you know, like uh, Mexican cops, those that's what scared me the most. Me- cops in Mexico—that's the scariest thing. When you go across the border to drink. And you get fucking strip searched by Mexican, or not strip search but body searched by uh mm-hmm. by like Federales That sucked because you knew that if they shot, you it would be like okay for them. Yeah, you
2: you would just disappear. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, they nobody just, would just disappear
1: know. you. But even then, I mean, you'd still go. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> you still go over and hang out.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. Mexico is cool though. I liked I liked visiting Juarez and mm-hmm. getting hammered and. By mm-hmm. riding around around the streets it's weird the whole thing when i went last time i went was like maybe three or four years ago
0: yeah. it was like
2: uh the whole city's kind of like this weird ghost town at night there's like entire deserted districts of it yeah. which i guess a lot a lot of cities have but i'd never seen one like
1: like oh i think there's probably a heightened level of fear there for sure i mean there's probably a People would have dogs there.
2: in their yard and it would be like, you know, you see pit bulls and shit and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. be careful. But like these dogs in these yards, it was like, if this motherfucker gets out, I don't know if I can pedal fast enough. And it's like, yeah. it's going to try to rip my throat out.
1: It's kind of crazy. I'm, I, I'm more scared of loose dogs than people.
2: 100%.
1: Because like, you're probably like, if a loose dog gets at you, so you're going to have to probably kill it. Right. Like it's going to be nasty. And it's gonna land some bites. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna like get good for sure. Yeah, like a pit bull would fuck you up. I'd r I would I would rather three like if I was walking down the road at night, I'd rather three big dudes wander up than a pit bull fucking wander up, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'd be more I'd be more scared. I'm scared of dogs. That's let's that's that's, that's, that's I just figured out what I'm afraid of. Wild dogs. <laughs> Wild dogs,
2: yeah. Well, I got I got bad news about the impending apocalypse. There's going to be a lot of them shit mm, out there.
1: You think yeah. so? Do you think you think you think we're going on the impending apocalypse?
2: Not even a little bit. I'm being silly. I don't I don't, I don't, I don't nah, think so. I think, I it's, I think no, it's I think it's I
1: think every everything's just going to get
2: everything's going to get worse in terms of everything being more expensive, but that's pretty much it. Everybody's going to be a lot grumpier because everything's going to cost more and the like you know housing will go up the cost of maybe the cost of gas gas might actually go down a little bit but like shit's just going to be pricier and so it's just you know we've been living in decline since like 1972 like the american Mm. empire has been declining since peak oil and uh so we were were born in it it's the same thing we were born in we just kind of didn't really we didn't really know because we're coming off of the golden age like the the great the greatest time to be alive in America which if you're white that is which is like the 60s and 70s and 80s but uh yeah no I don't know yeah it's it's just I mean in about 10 years I see it leveling out and finding some kind of balance but it'll it'll just be an annoying and
1: semi-depressing period in our history. I've, we have. I can't decide if if, if we're declining or not. Because, like, on the one hand, we are, but on the other hand, like, what we're doing right now is was unthinkable thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that we've put a lot of our resources into creating that infrastructure well right that's I, I, it's gonna take away from other areas like it's really hard to think about like what money is worth today versus back then because like an iphone would be worth a billion dollars in 70 <laughs> it, or a trillion like that like if an mm-hmm. iphone could do everything it does now in 1970 you'd be fucking god so mm-hmm. i don't know uh, and i mean in 1980 you would be a god if you had that you'd be a fucking god so I don't really, I can't decide how I feel about it. Um, we've definitely- well, it's like, I, feel, I mean, I, I like
2: mobility we, though, you know, like you can't really buy, like but, a lot of people can't buy houses. Shit like but
1: I think, yeah. I think we're trading information for uh, property.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I kind of think that in the future, audience is gonna be like property, right? Like, you know, on, online, like to have audience will be like to have property. But so, like, you can almost imagine if, if we got all this more information coming into us, right, we don't need as much exterior stuff. Because, um, like, right, I mean, your iPhone in and of itself is like a thousand different tools. I, I can't decide. It's such a big shift that, like, I, I can't really – I know that it's food's more expensive, okay, but movies are cheaper, music's cheaper, maps are like Almost everything's cheaper except for food, fuel, and housing. Well, Mm -hmm. almost everything else that I do is in my hand right now. You know, so I don't, it's hard. I can't decide. I, 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 I don't know. It's weird. Like I feel like a lot of it too is that the information that we've gotten has just really taught us to hate life as information does. And the more you know, the more you self-actualize. The more you self-actualize, the more you pick on yourself.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's like, what, And
2: it's also overload, right? I mean, it's not just yeah. the self-actualization. It's just that you know, we. It's just that we literally don't need to. Something like Twitter, like you don't need to know the
1: thoughts of five hundred strangers a day,
2: even oh, if I the thoughts are fun- funny.
1: You I love my sock puppet account now. I follow a bunch of fucking famous dead writers mm-hmm. <laughs> and some famous dead painters mm-hmm. and some like some science wet like accounts and some funny things. And so now like I just I look on Twitter and it cracks me up. I don't follow almost anybody I know except for Kelby, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to check my follows. Uh but like I just nothing on it and uh it's quite enjoyable. Like I yeah. I think the thing is is that I don't want to know too many thoughts of people who I know. Yeah. Like that was never part of the game. Like think about yeah. like when I was one of the first starting to be a writer, I wanted to like fuck with thoughts of people who were like, you know, giants and most of them dead, you know. Uh mm-hmm. not like my peers. <laughs> like I yeah. I was I think I liked art cuz I didn't like my peers to be honest with you. Like yeah. I wasn't really all that good at socialization. So I was like, I'm going to go to my room. <laughs> Fuck with books.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: One key to like uh Erica and, and mine's relationship is that she is not on social media.
1: Yeah,
3: and that keeps it keeps it pure <laughs> so like i wouldn't want i couldn't imagine being a couple on social media i mean david and rios do it well because they don't ever like do that weird like talking to each other on twitter it's like what the oh, fuck yeah you we bear on?
2: we bear we don't interact online we pretend like we don't exist
3: yeah, yeah. my
1: wife doesn't do any kind of social media and or do, she doesn't care like she doesn't write she doesn't she's uh uh never pursued an art in any kind of professional capacity um which is liberating and so like she you know she knows who i talk about and who i talk to um but i you know she probably hasn't read any you know uh avant-garde newer like indie lit stuff you know does she read like like, yeah, no, she, anything like that? yeah no she reads a lot um and not just beachy i mean like she'll read like colston whitehead stuff like that i mean she does read books kind of have that kind of crossover or whatever but like very atypical that she, she wouldn't get like a two dollar radio book yeah um you know what i mean like uh or a new york tyrant book or something like that uh i don't think uh, yeah i mean i don't even know what i would show her off an indie press that i think she'd be into um my young, my daughter read a Tessa Moss and likes her a lot, but I don't think my oh, yeah. wife would. I don't think my wife would read a Tessa.
2: She's so, got a little. Well, it's because she's your daughter, right? So she's got a little. She might. She might get into that shit.
1: Yeah, she. Uh, she read uh, the Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, and then went on a tear. So like, I had to read No Longer Human. She. Yeah, she, She's uh, She's a trip. She's already reading. Bro, I can't wait for
2: that. Crap. I can't wait for that shit with Gus. Like, I, I fantasize yeah. about those moments of like handing him books at certain ages. You know, mm-hmm. that's so. Yeah,
3: cool. I'm a Yeah, like dude. I gave her. Like, this is I the year
2: her, you get to read. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Gene Wolfe or something like that. That's gonna. Did
1: we went to High Price Books together and she saw Lolita and she's like, "Can I get that?" And I don't. I would always told her like, "Anything you want to read, I'll never tell you no." um and so i was like yeah sure but so anyway so i bought her like <laughs> She read the first three pages and she's like i don't think i'm gonna read that book and i was like not gonna hurt my feelings kid you yeah. you wanted it i don't i told you what it was yeah uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, but uh, but uh but the, and then like i gave her a stack of like feminist books so she has like bad feminists and some susan sontag and you know like She's, it's funny because uh she thinks I'm pretty cringe, you know, so she's 13 and so I'm always like, what, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, I'll say things that she thinks are super inappropriate and I'm like, what the fuck are you like? Like, uh, the other day, we were watching uh, Kim's Convenience, and I quoted what the mom said or something, but I did it with an accent, because I don't fucking know how (laughs) else to do it. And she was, like, mortified that I would use an (laughs) accent.
2: Like an (laughs) Asian accent?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and I can't even remember what the Oh, dude, it's like the best line ever from from any show I've seen in terms of characterization. If you've ever seen it, it's about this dude, Mr. Kim. Okay, so, he and his wife are in the bedroom he's getting ready for bed she's getting ready for bed she looks on her bedside table and she was like why is there a drill bit on my bedside table and Mr. Kim's like I have to empty my pockets somewhere and i'm just like like it's like the best encapsulation of that character ever like mm-hmm. to be like to reach into his pocket see it drill bit and just be like fuck it i'll put it on my wife's table <laughs> uh i have to empty my pocket somewhere i fucking loved i thought it was something genius but of course mm-hmm. i said have to empty my pocket somewhere and i thought it was like <laughs> fuck but you know what that guy doesn't have an accent though so that's what I. yeah in real life Uh, he he sounds canadian so
2: he's he's doing yellow face for the character. well they
1: they did a really interesting episode too about uh who can and can't um mimic accents so
3: uh, i can pretty well y'all want to hear it
1: well no but i mean (laughs) (laughs) so the the korean the koreans take this white chick to a japanese burger place and like they say, like burger burger pot fry is like what they say the when they're serving up the meals and it sounds funny or whatever and so that like the korean people start mimicking the japanese people and then the white chick does it and like everything shuts down you know and she's like why Mm -hmm. can (laughs) y'all why can (laughs) y'all pretend to be japanese and then an Australian comes in, and then the Koreans uh, mimic the Australian, and then you know hijinks ensue.
2: <laughs> Man, I don't remember that episode. That sounds really good, though. That's it's asking good. some real questions. Like, wait oh, a 100%. So wait, it's kind of like it's it is one of those things where it's like, wait, so am I not allowed to do this at all mm-hmm. because I'm white? Is that is that the deal? That.
1: That so touches on a lot of those subjects really well. Atlanta does a really good job this season of, does, of, yeah. of, of tearing into woke whiteness. Um, yeah. Man, it, it eviscerates woke whiteness. It, it murdered it, really. I, and it, it's so accurate in terms of like the selfishness of wokeness sometimes. I've always seen it as a power move. Mm-hmm. Oh, the reparations episodes are crazy oh when they're like God. trying to parse up who is and isn't black. And it's like the one guy who's like from Nigeria, he's like, you're not black.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's like a Wigger, <laughs> is yeah, how they see him. Uh, he's like legit part Nigerian.
1: Yeah. Oh, dude, it's such a good episode. Like the whole season, I thought did a really good job. Mm-hmm, it was a neat, mm-hmm. epic, neat season. And that, which also uh, has that kind of child story embedded into the, in the weird thing. Cause what's her name? Val. Is yeah yeah she's going through her shit right and like has totally ditched her kid back home she's i bet she ends up schizophrenic she ends up
3: going a little katoko at the end yeah she
1: goes full she goes half katoko when she's serving when she's serving the hands
3: yeah god (laughs) that episode is one of the best like one of the best i love how it was literal too because the whole season i was getting mad watching it week by week like what the fuck is going on like I, yeah. I didn't i wanted to trust they were gonna tie it together but i was kind of losing faith and then when they finally did they made it like literal they're like van you're being fucking weird what is going on and it's mm-hmm. like holy shit you have this double fucking life and you're it was fucking uh-huh. crazy. i love that they went like totally literal with it like within that world all this shit was actually happening it wasn't just random sitcom nonsense
1: I wonder. I, I, I'm I'm curious to see what they do with the with the series moving forward. That it's like because I bet you what they'll do is they'll kind of half up each season where it's like half on the original characters and half those kind of like Twilight Zone social commentary. I, I thought it was neat. I thought it was a neat season.
2: Yeah, I wish I saw more of that. Whenever I see something like Atlanta or uh, you know any of the movies that we watch on this show, pretty much i'm always wondering you know why can't we just have more of this but i guess to be fair i don't have time to watch a whole bunch of shit either so i can't yeah. really complain it's like okay atlanta kotoko like watching kotoko is probably like the movie that i'm gonna watch this week because i don't have any yeah, no, time i know to mean. watch anything else <laughs> so when i so when i make the critique that's like oh it's just so rare these days Maybe that's good, right? Maybe it's good that Mm -hmm. everything out there is shit and there's like three good things because I have time for three good things.
1: I think that's just how society functions, dude. I think if you give them enough, some stuff's going to float to the top and some stuff just isn't. And I think that like it doesn't matter how much content is out there. There's only going to be a few unifying things that really link up a culture at a certain time um and so like yeah i mean like in any given moment in america there's like four or five big tv shows and it rotates you know so every couple of weeks it changes but yeah for the most part those kind of like lesser known shows i mean every now and again you'll find a gem but a lot of content is just that dude it's just fucking whatever uh it's just you know getting money from subscribers
3: yeah and when you don't have time to really partake in any of it and you choose to spend time like we do going back through uh you know older shit or more diamond in the rough type stuff it's like i get to i get to enjoy light year like i wasn't pissed about it to to oh sure
1: i know what you're saying you don't hold something to some insane standard where it's like supposed to like 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 just by virtue of the fact that you know there's better stuff out there because you go witness it, it's okay right. to have guilty pleasure stuff or whatever not everything has to satiate you artistically or something. it could just be what it is it's so long right As, I mean is that kind of what you mean yeah
3: yeah exactly it, it's like i'm I don't have any kind of like political, like or or like artistic defense against. You know, the existence Lightyear. of, of light year or something. You know I'm just How was, like, was
1: did you did you find that to be did you saw it? Did you understand why people were offended by it or were they just being bitches?
3: I did not understand why people were offended. Yeah, uh, that
1: I, movie. I, yeah I I figured that was kind of the case because everybody I've talked to who's seen it, enjoyed it. Um people are just assholes, dude. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, I, I get love- I don't know. I, get, I like, I get, I, I like but... what you
2: guys are saying, though. I like what you guys are saying about this whole, like, you know, because Kelby has this podcast and, you know, we'll go back and read, you know, 500 pages of Berserk and watch this movie and, you know, watch this anime or whatever. Because we have chosen to go back into the vault and curate the things that we do like, it almost makes, uh, you know, our enjoyment of pop culture isn't contingent on, you know that being the only thing that we see right if like if your whole deal is that you're going to watch whatever three movies come out every week and those movies suck you will get mad about that kind of thing but it's almost like you know I I watched Encanto the other day and I was like this is this is good it's fine you know it's a kid's movie but like it doesn't it doesn't bother me because my uh you know how I view art in the world isn't structured by whether or not Encanto is good or
1: not. Yeah. I mean, I think you get that a lot with cooks, right. Who work in fancy restaurants. Like when they leave, they don't want to go to a fancy restaurant all the time. Right. They're like, they can, they can appreciate Tuna Helper in a way that if Tuna Helper was all that you ate, you wouldn't be able to appreciate, you know what I mean? Like uh, Tuna Helper is great. Well, I think so. But let's say you've never eaten in a nice restaurant, like or Stroganoff. I don't know, let's say Tuna
2: Helper Stroganoff's better than any Stroganoff I've gotten at like a nice restaurant.
1: Straight Wait, up. do they call it that's Hamburger Helper Stroganoff? Because oh. it was t- it was Tuna Helper, it would be Tuna Stroganoff. Well,
2: whatever. Which the would stroganoff be is, which would be, be a good, great name for with dude, the, with the t-
1: Tuna Stroganoff would be a good name for like a, a pulp fiction writer. you guys
2: guys never put tuna in stroganoff wait hang on you can put tuna in stroganoff it's real good are you sure is i believe you i'm positive i'm I'm 100 yeah we used to put on the back of the
1: box it says use hamburger or tuna (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it says that
2: but we uh i hope that's how we did i hope
1: it i hope it says use hamburger tuna or Peanut butter. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm sure it's baller. I liked all tuna helper stuff. I bet you I did that. I bet you I did that.
2: So it's like if you put tuna in mac and cheese.
1: Y'all ever did oh, that? Oh yeah, that's baller. Right? Oh yeah. Actually, it's good as fuck. Yeah. Especially if you put dude, that on toast
2: toasted bread with some melted cheese. That's, dude, that's I'm, the shit I'm getting
1: there. hungry, dude. With, like, a Little Debbie snack cake at the end?
2: Yeah, exactly. A ho-ho, yeah, or a ding-dong. No, a ding-dong, I, yeah. Or no, a zebra,
1: re- cake. zebra cake. Zebra cake. My daughter, my uh, youngest daughter, Justin, loves zebra cakes. I really like honey buns.
2: <laughs> That's my Little Debbie Yeah, I was date. never a honey bun guy. Yeah, zebra cakes for me, too. They're soft, gooey in the middle. It's good stuff. My,
1: my youngest daughter got a Twinkie box when we were in Austin, and I had a Twinkie, and those are – uh like, I don't like them, but I get it. <laughs> like, I understand why they were huge there for a while. Like, it's
3: like there's a some texture thing.
1: Yeah. There's some things that just feel like they do themselves perfectly, like thin mint cookies or Oreos or saltine crackers. Like, where they're not, you wouldn't say that they're, like, phenomenal, but, like, you wouldn't change any part of it, you know? Now, I bought like some Girl Scout
2: cookies the other day. She, I bought two boxes, and she said fourteen dollars, please. I was like, "Wait, what?" Inflation oh. has hit the Girl Scout cookie industry. You shove oh. that bitch over and take her cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just flipped the table and ran off. Uh, but yeah, what you know, are the what are the
1: boxes? What a box of Girl Scout cookies used to cost like three dollars?
2: Yeah, three or four. I was going to put one of those Joe Biden I did that stickers on their table. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh, i
1: did that oh that guy's great i like he's listening great to him. he yeah, makes no he's, sense
2: he's, <laughs> he's, no it's great dude it's great anybody who gets mad about politicians in general is just like they're funny right it, it's just comedy at this point at the, I,
1: yeah at this point it's like
2: and i don't yeah, know this, man i mean I, i'm gonna be completely honest with you like Obama, Trump and Biden. I'm not ignorant to to how the US interacts with the world, right? So I'm not saying that they're mm-hmm. harmless. What I am saying and take from this what you will is that my life has looked largely unchanged in the past like 12 since I became an adult basically. Mm-hmm. I kind of just do the same thing. Things have gotten more expensive, but other than I that- would
1: say I'd say in the past five months it's felt different yeah. than any other time i've been an adult in terms of spending and that so i would say it feels tighter now than it's felt since probably 2008 i didn't really feel 2008 I didn't nine, either. to be honest with you no i was, I, teaching, I, was them all. I was teaching uh high school uh special needs kids um yeah that didn't i didn't really have any i was pretty unfazed but i was teaching at the time and that was like my first job and that was more money than i'd ever made so like i think i wasn't gonna see it um but no yeah it doesn't really seem like it it matters all that much i think that probably right now we're losing a war uh an in an information war with china and we're just getting stupider and stupider oh, yeah. at yeah. all that's true all that's like, true like it right, we have all this drag show stuff, which I don't really give a shit about, but that it's happening simultaneously as we're not getting the list of Jaslaine Maxwell's clients or whatever seems to me a very well orchestrated joke on our society, right like yeah, yeah it, it seems too. it seems so uniquely ironic that it must be something that was like organized. For somebody's like um humor
2: <laughs> I, well, I the whole drag queen story hour thing is really funny to me because i have zero issues with drag queens like rios watches rupaul's drag race over yeah. here and, and like gus like there's a drag there was a drag queen on blues clues the other day like i don't give a yeah. shit. he can he can nah. see drag queens i don't i don't care it's whatever but like uh but also what's so funny and what like the left and liberals like won't admit is it is kind of like that that thing you would do as a kid where somebody would say you know don't touch me and you'd put your finger right up close to their face and be like i'm not touching yeah you. it's like yeah. it's such a deliberate provocation and yeah. just like not acknowledging that that's what it is
1: is really it's
2: kind of funny to me it's like well I, you, you I don't, know what you're I, doing I you're, you're trying to avoid yeah
1: it. Oh no, it's an obvious. Well, I think that that's what the right's doing with with uh, with the Roe White Wade thing too. It's the same thing. It's like you fucking made us get vaccines, and you yes. won't say 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 what, say what a woman is. So now it, you're gonna have to. Last, <laughs> like, last right? time like, you came on the show. Last time you came on the
2: show. Last time you came on the show. What did I say? What did I say? I said that last time you were on the show. I said like you 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 made us get shots. We're gonna take away abortion. Oh yeah.
1: Oh I'm, yeah. Well, and then and then and, then, and what's going to come? What's what's going to come that, next? Yeah, yeah. What's going to come next is you took away abortion. Well, we're going to bring back the draft. <laughs> yep, yep. Because yep. right, they're already saying that they don't have enough dudes to fucking enlist anymore. Yep. Um, I
2: yeah. yeah dude, it's I basically mean, a bunch of people trolling each other, but it's trolling each other with actual people with actual human spies, beings. Yeah, you know, actual- yeah, because because I actually I am I am completely pro-choice because it's a person's i'm consistent with like the bodily autonomy thing and so i'm like yeah it's it's your choice uh
0: and then also with the shots i
2: was like it's also that's also my choice too so you know i'm i think i'm
1: on abortion i'm pro-choice until the baby can feel pain so my mom was a neo my mom was a neonatal nurse and she used to always save 26 28 week old kids and I'd hear about them, you know. So like I and every year they like come back to Driscoll and have a reunion, you know, the law school. So like I I don't really have an issue with it at all, but I except that it's like, oh, once the kid can feel pain, I feel like I'm out.
2: I feel like I'm done. Yeah, I, like... I get that. I get that 100
1: percent Yeah. It and
2: gets it, tough, right? It's a it's, and it's it what, some, is. what some might call what some might call a dicey
1: issue. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I, i'm really hung up on, on what it is i think about it yeah i don't yeah. <laughs> i don't know dude um controversial
2: might be a top
1: like it might be a word for it but too it's well a, it's a, and it's, it's a contested it's
2: issue in america
1: my whole life it's one of those uh, college uh, essay topics that in, in gay marriage which i guess is never going to be probably brought up again well, no, baby. I mean, you know, oh. drug legalization.
3: Did y'all see actually the next thing on the docket is interracial marriage? No. Oh, what yeah. Let's go.
2: Hell. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Dude, what will happen to you, brother? <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm, I'm, f- grand, I'm grandfathered
2: in.
3: Yeah, and why? I have guns, so nothing is happening to me.
1: Yeah. why? I married a white girl, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: not me bragging. I'm just saying I got to think about it. <laughs> you
3: bragging. <laughs> it to you losers.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine if fucking Clarence Thomas, fucking a, a, a integrated married man, is like, uh, yeah, we're striking that one down. I don't think that would
2: be, that would be hilarious, but also that's that. I don't see that
1: happening at all. I don't don't either. I think they're going to say that there's a constitutional right for it. I I mean,
2: gay marriage too. I don't see them striking gay marriage down either.
1: No, that seems like it's not an issue. And then of course that's what they probably want to do is, is rule positively on those other two things. And then that way they seem a little less demonized. Hopefully that's the tack they take. You you always expect these people to maybe act like humans and then they let you down every single fucking time.
2: No, they're lizards, dude. They're all lizards. They're all lizards. It is fucking crazy though that there's nine people who make decisions about 350 million people. That's kind of crazy. It's like we just decided, yeah, it's good. And the way that they're gonna be cut, like they can do it for life if they want to. Mm. Uh, and they're they're just picked. They're picked by somebody. Like they're not even put yeah. in that's just a that's a seems like a flawed system to me but what do I know
3: um, that's why I won't take it real seriously like I know there's things that do affect like society like that you can't like it's going to affect you in some way but like coming into my house with any kind of bullshit like like I literally have guns I don't know what you're gonna do to me like you know
1: well, they, they they will they will kill you but you'll get a few shots off first <laughs> oh no, yeah for
3: sure it's like you know i might have to die about it but like yeah i no. yeah. know yeah you can't that's gonna be the way it goes down though like you're not gonna force me to you, you can't i don't know i don't know what i'm saying
2: i think <laughs> you can't i can't force kelby old- to carry a baby to term that's that's that's
1: what it is. Uh, see i won't i won't i won't really know what i feel about it i mean well what? one i i think it should have. i think abortion should have stayed the way that it was if not gotten more lenient i wish they would have come up with the fucking parameter that we could have used like right hey, like where is, is it like let's yeah just tell line. me like 20 weeks yeah. hey, tell me the time fucking i will agree with you <laughs> and yeah. then like we can all just fucking make sense you know yeah. but yeah. you leave it nebulous and it gets really difficult and i know that a lot of people want to be like well it should just be completely open-ended and i'm like you're not going to win that fight you're not, that, no, it's not I mean, we, have a, we
2: have an age for buying beer and joining the military so why not and just
1: <laughs> some kind it, it of be, restriction it, it could be
2: wrong and it probably will be wrong because i think that people become people at different rates i think there are 45 year olds walking around who still aren't people right so it's it's hard to say when does that thing become a person it's it's not going to be right just like there's you know there's 18 year olds who should be allowed to drink or whatever and 18 there's it fucking 85 year olds who should not be allowed to drink right it's just none of it's perfect you just we just needed we need a number like you said 20 weeks like why not just slap it down
1: or like, or Whoa. something, or you know, and then that way you could get uh, twenty
3: weeks. Uh, a consensus. Though, you, be with you
1: you need that's, a consensus. Uh,
2: no, that's like five
3: months. Yeah, that's, like
1: months. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's <laughs> you're showing at that point. That's kind of well.
1: Well, but I think that that's kind of, that's the problem. though, Is that like the week, the amount of weeks that a lot of people want is trending towards twenty. Some people want it to be fully open. There's it, it needs to be at least an articulated number so that everybody can fight for a certain line. There has yeah. to be parameters. There has not because of like, you know, I've, you know, women will be like, you know, my body, my choice, hundred percent, but you have to get a consensus in order to get the things that you want. Unfortunately. And by not having an articulated desire, you're going to lose every time if you're coming yeah. into to, right. to an argument and you can't tell me what you want, you're not going to get what you want. And that's just the way that it always works. Um, but people don't seem to want to be concise anymore. It's like they just want to be – I mean, as a politician, it makes sense, right? They themselves are, like, notable for being uh, nebulous or wishy-washy. So they have a hard time picking a date to run on, you know, like 20 weeks, you know, they'll, because they don't want to have to have said something concrete, it seems like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But who knows?
2: yeah all right all
1: right guys uh but hey but wait wait wait. speaking of abortion i feel like katoka was a pretty good uh uh advertisement
2: for abortion yeah for, absolutely for, for, <laughs> for, for extremely you, late-term are you, abortions are you yeah. like
1: this chick don't have babies you know what i'm saying don't like it's uh because that's not you that was not mother material right there you know what oh, she yeah. was like Thank she you. was like an alt-lit poet <laughs> <laughs> Who had a baby, uh, and she shouldn't have. That's what it was like. Yeah, <laughs> that's what.
2: No, I agree with that 100. percent I think uh, as for my final thoughts on the movie, I, I think that it, I thought it was great. I really like Tsukamoto. I like his uh, audio visual style, that kind of overwhelming uh, sensory mm-hmm. kind of thing. I really dig that. I liked uh, Coco's performance a lot. I thought it was creepy. I really liked when she just sang mm-hmm. a song. I thought that was that was fun. I liked I related, all the singing and stuff.
3: I related a lot, yeah, because like that's the only time she has any kind of uh, agency, right? Is like when she's per, when she's doing some kind of like artistic performative. Hmm.
1: Well, she does, she says at the beginning that when she sings, it makes the world normal. Yeah. And I forgot about that, so you were just saying that. She says that when she sings, the world seems... I didn't, I'm going to be honest with you, I I texted y'all, I was like, that movie could have been a text. But now now that I've spoken to both of you about it, I like the movie considerably more, I think, in the discussion of it
2: have you seen tetsuo or tokyo
1: fist or any no others? i no okay. i just this is my first work by this author, the but uh, by this director but i but i think i read a review that said this is probably a really good place to start um yeah
2: it's a good place yeah i would go i would try uh stuff like tetsuo and tokyo fist i think it works really well in conversation with a lot of the others with these
1: yeah
2: yeah and it's um and i think that you know once you sort of have you know this. Uh, this is used as like a cop out a lot. It's like, oh, if you see the other movies, this one makes a lot more sense. But it's true yeah. in this case where it's like, you know, once you kind of like uh, can know where he's coming from, kind of speak his cinematic language in a way. I think it's. I think the movie might hit harder than it might have for you because it's. Uh, he moves really quickly between you know, kind of dead serious, like, like you said, how you didn't pick up that, like, that kind of stuff was supposed to be funny, like, Mm -hmm. I think because Kelby and I have watched, like, Tokyo Fist, we get that, like, this kind of extreme violence is, is kind of funny to him, right, and it's, it's kind of, like, played for laughs, so, I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, like I said, I thought that it was, like, I felt like I got hit by a truck when it was over, I I was, like, this, this uh, was every, Every fear that I have as a parent of a young boy put out in like a pulp, uh, extremely cartoonishly violent kind of way. And uh, none of this stuff about her hit for me, right? It was all her relationship with the kid. So when she was in the mental institution, I didn't feel, I don't think I felt as sad as I was supposed to because I was like, that's good. That's where you gotta <laughs> be because you're fucking crazy uh as long as that baby's out of harm's way I, that's that's a happy ending to me but it is bittersweet well, yeah, that, right that like, baby's in heaven her.
3: so he's far away no he,
2: he no he lived right he lived he uh wait think, a minute what? Wait, time out I, time out i thought yeah. you choked that baby out no the last scene was her son at 13 coming to if that was real oh
3: oh you're right yeah yeah i forgot about that. her son
2: that that was another fake it's all fake out every time she kills, quote-unquote kills the baby or the baby gets killed it's all a fake out right because she's the whole wait wait is that
1: after the credits rolled the last thing i remember is her dancing underneath that fucking umbrella
2: no yeah her son her son comes to visit her and it's all it's supposed to be i think that she can't remember time right so she's She's been in the psych ward for like this kid's entire life, basically. And she's just been remembering all the times that she thought Mm. that she
3: killed him. You know what? God, I gotta watch the last 10 minutes again. You saying that I think that uh Tsukamoto's character, the dude who's trying to help her, might have been is actually the kid. Maybe. Or the Right, or like, the dad, or, or maybe, the the baby, the dad? maybe the baby daddy, maybe that's what happened. You know, he tried to care for her and she just fucking kept stabbing him in the hand with a fork. With a fork, and, god and beating, damn, dude, beating his
2: ass until his head was all blown up like a melon.
1: I'm gonna have my wife stab me with a fork tonight. <laughs> that's just it, might <laughs> so be what I'm into. I don't know, I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> <laughs> It might be the thing that really ties my room together, and it's gonna be fucking. Yeah. Is a
2: fork in your hand?
1: A fork in your hand? I never knew. I never yeah. knew. Right in the meaty part,
2: right between your.
1: Right, right your between, finger. yeah, right the, yeah. right there where like there's muscles and nerves, and then hopefully I won't be able to use my thumb anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs>
2: that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, no more, no more opposable thumbs. Final Just, thoughts on the movie, Kelby
3: uh I'm going to have my wife choke me and call me baby baby <laughs> Brian I uh
1: I I think that of all the movies I've ever seen this is the one that I disliked the most upon watching it and then became to like it the most through conversation I've never disliked a movie talked about it and liked it afterwards Usually if I dislike a movie I talk about it I dislike it more. So I don't know if that's <laughs> you guys or the movie or me but it's definitely going to be some stuff I have to think about.
2: Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah! That's what we do here at <laughs> Agitator. We, 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 we put frames
1: around things. Ooh I like that. We frame yeah. shit.
0: Yeah we frame <laughs> shit. Yeah. Alright fellas. That was great. Uh, yeah.